true. Okay, we begin a new preaching series today, and uh, we are looking at the life of Joseph. Go, 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 Joseph. We are looking at the life of Joseph. And the title of this series is Dream to Destiny. And Joseph is an incredible, powerful character in Scripture. I was trying to think about what he is like or who he was like in, in terms of movies. He's a little bit like a, a John Wick. Some of you know who that is. Or, or, or John McClane, Die Hard. Or, or a Liam Neeson or a Rambo in the sense of Joseph is this unstoppable character. Whatever he kind of, whatever happens in his life, the purposes of God, the, the dreams and the destiny on his life are unstoppable. They cannot be stopped. He was treated unfairly. He was rejected. He was abandoned. He was lied about. He was forgotten. He was unfairly treated. That and so much more. And yet he bore no grudge. There was no resentment in Joseph. There was no bitterness in Joseph. There was a patience and a purity to see the dream become his destiny. So we're going to pick up the story right at the beginning in Genesis 37. You might want to turn uh, in a Bible or it will come up on the screen. So Genesis 37 is where we're introduced to Joseph. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Just pause there for a moment on the first two verses. Just want to point out a couple of things. And go back one slide. Joseph was 17 years old. It's important to understand that. That was his age, 17. But there's another important thing that you can miss if you just glance over this. It says in verse 2 that Jacob had two wives. He was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. It's important to state that that is not a God thing, that that's not how it should be. And, and as we'll see in the story of Joseph, there's lots of messy family things that happen in the story. And, and all throughout Scripture, God's plan is for a husband to have just one wife. But Jacob doesn't follow that example. Just want to point those things out. Let's go on back to verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now, hold on a minute. You might say, Israel. Hold on. I thought this story was about Jacob. I thought Jacob was Joseph's dad. But, but Israel was another name for Joseph. Cliff Richard, real name, Harry Roger Webb. Puff Daddy, real name, Sean Combs. Israel is like... It's like Jacob's stage name. 
Okay? So when you hear Israel, you are hearing Jacob. And then it says something, again, quite shocking. Something, you go, whoa, something that all the parenting manuals would have a field day on. Because it says that Jacob, Israel, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in old age. In other words, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Jacob had a favorite, and that was Joseph. The sign of that favoritism, which you will look at next week, was this coat of many colors, this ornate robe that had been given to Joseph as a sign to all his brothers that he was the favorite one. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered round to mine and bowed down. I mean, you just can imagine this 17-year-old upstart called Joseph telling this dream to all of his older brothers. Joseph was the 11th youngest. There was one younger son called Benjamin, but there were were 10 other older brothers. And there's this upstart, this whippersnapper, teenage 17-year-old Joseph telling this dream when already he was hated by his brothers. And then he goes on. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then Joseph had another dream and he told it to his brothers. You're like, is this the wisest thing to do, Joseph? Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. After the second dream, even his dad is incredulous about what he is saying. Are you serious, Joseph? These dreams you are having, are you seriously think that they are going to become a reality? I like the fact that, that his dad kept the matter in mind. Do you know what? That's, that's sometimes like a little trick that I do in, in marriage. Jen's on top, so I can tell you this. So often Jen will tell me a truth, something that's true, something that's definitely right in my marriage. And what I will do is keep the matter in my mind. And then many months or maybe years later, we'll go, yeah, you were right, Jen. Yeah, you were right. You were right. So I can kind of empathize there with, with Jacob. You know, I, I took that matter in my mind. I, I held on to it. And then days, months, years later, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yep, yep, you were right. So we're going to pick up the story a couple of, couple of verses later. Because Jacob then sends Joseph to go out and find his brothers who were looking after the father's flock. So let's pick it up in verse 18. The brothers saw Joseph in the distance, 
And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here's what they said of Joseph. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. It's very interesting that the brothers' bitterness and envy, their envy over Joseph being the favorite, all of that was now manifesting itself in what they do to Joseph. In other words, whatever toxic wounds we sometimes have from the past, if they are not dealt with, they will grow and grow and grow until they are manifest. That that bitterness in our hearts will grow to hatred and it will then just spill itself out in in some kind of unhealthy uh, or even kind of unlawful action. If that toxic bitterness and envy is not dealt with, it grows and it festers. And then the brothers say, here comes the dreamer. Let's see what comes of his dreams. Now, let me ask you a question. I wonder, I wonder if you're a dreamer or not. I, I bet if we went through uh, this congregation, you would say that, that probably half of us are dreamers. We love to dream. We love to, to doodle on our pads, or we love to, to think about what might be possible. Another half of us, that's not us. We don't dream. No, no, no. We're logical, and, and that's not particularly the way we think. In 1999, which when I was thinking of it, it was like, wow, that's quite a long time ago now. Some of you in this room weren't even born in 1999. Shows my age here. But in 1999, I had a dream. And the dream was that that we would do a birthday party for Jesus that Jesus would have wanted. Now, 1999 was just before the millennium, the year 2000. And it was big everywhere, kind of on the news and in culture and in church life about what we're going to do to celebrate 2,000 years, 2,000 years since Jesus came to the earth. And I had this dream of what a party that Jesus would have wanted to attend. I called it the birthday 2000. And I remember sharing this dream early in 1999 with a friend in Brick Lane in a coffee shop in Brick Lane in East London. And to cut a long, long story short, that was the beginning of mobilizing some friends. Friends of mine that had just graduated from university. We had all, in our early 20s, just graduated from university. And we started to get excited about this dream of the birthday party that Jesus would have wanted. And so we did some crazy things. We went and hired Alexandra Palace, which is a huge venue in North London. We went and engaged with two homeless charities because the idea was that the birthday party that Jesus would have wanted would have been a banquet for the homeless. So he wanted to engage with homeless charities in order to get a whole hundreds, we hoped, hundreds of homeless people to a banquet, to a party, to a three-course dinner with a band that was completely free for everyone to enjoy and celebrate. 
We raised 15 grand using our own money. We, we managed to get 200 volunteers together and two Michelin star chefs to cook the dinner. On the 3rd of January, 2020, the dream became a reality. Now, I was struggling to find some pictures or some evidence. And so I spoke to my mom and dad on Friday. And this was kind of all I could come up with. You didn't have phones back then, so you weren't kind of taking pictures of everything. But that, that's a picture on, on the left of, of me 20-odd uh, years ago, just, just prepping the volunteers uh, before everyone came. And that picture, that guy, there's a whole long story behind that. We didn't have a chef. No one was able to cook the food. Alexandra Palace wouldn't let us use their kitchens unless it was a certified kind of chef with all the relevant qualifications. Anyway, that guy there with all those huge chickens and turkeys or whatever they were is a Michelin star chef who gave his time for free to cook the dinner. So that day, the 3rd of January, 2020, the dream was realized. Now, the point I want to make is this. By way back, way back when the dream was just an idea, it seemed impossible. It seemed bonkers. It seemed silly. It seemed ludicrous. At various stages along the way, it seemed like it would never, ever happen. It seemed impossible. Various blockages and obstacles to, to it becoming a reality were put in our way. But when you dare to dream, God is at work. And I want us at the beginning of 2023 to begin to dream. I wonder what is your dream at the beginning of this year? Is it for a spouse? Is it for your business to launch or to multiply? Is it for a friendship to be restored? Is it for an addiction to be broken. You say, not me. My past, my, my finances, my present situation, make it impossible. But I don't want you to put a lid on God this year. Now, one important point I want to make is this. Joseph's family was a dysfunctional family. But we'll look at it over the coming weeks. It was a mess. We already know that his dad had two wives. And there is envy and arguing and fighting. And every family in this room, let me just be really honest with you, every family in this room, every family that we are from is dysfunctional. Even my family. Pastor's family, my family, we are dysfunctional. You see us in the supermarket when we're trying to get this and get that. You think there's a dysfunctional family. You think in the morning when we're trying to get everyone to school and, and, and everything's crazy and, and who knows where so-and-so's shoes are and your homework and dysfunctional family. When you're trying to watch and decide what film to watch on Netflix and, and you argue for 20 minutes and then you hate the film you just watched. You know, dysfunctional family. I just want to help you out. Okay, all of us are from dysfunctional families, but that is not a reason for God to not use us and for the dream you have to not become a reality. So what I'm going to do this morning is give you a very quick overview of the story of Joseph, and then we're going to look at a couple of lessons that we can learn from Genesis 37. And here comes 
the dreamer. So an overview of the story of Joseph. The overview of the story of Joseph is the brothers don't kill Joseph. Sorry to kind of break it to you. We'll find out exactly what we do next week. But they don't kill Joseph. They sell him into slavery. He's sold to a man called Potiphar, who is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And there, Joseph thrives. He rises up in the ranks. But as things are going well, Potiphar's wife desires Joseph and wants to sleep with him. Joseph, godly, pure Joseph, flees. He gets out of the house, but then he's accused of a sin they did not commit. So he's put into prison. In prison, he starts to help people. He interprets dreams. The dreams that he's interpreted come true. The cupbearer is released exactly as Joseph said, but then he forgets about Joseph for two whole years. Then Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted. The cupbearer remembers Joseph. Joseph comes out of prison, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and becomes the prime minister of Egypt. He navigates a time of great famine. In that time of famine, the brothers and Jacob, his father, come and kneel down before Joseph. They come and ask for food, and they kneel down before Joseph. Joseph's dream is fulfilled. Joseph feeds his brothers and family, and relationships are beautifully restored. Joseph saves his family. And he ensures that the purposes of God continue through the nation of Israel. Joseph overcame so much. And I want you to know that you can overcome so much. That's the overview of the story. But underneath, there is so much dysfunction, envy, pride, jealousy, murder, sin, injustice but also forgiveness, endurance, persistence, holiness, the sovereignty of God. And we're going to be navigating through those over the coming weeks. Now, here's an important lesson I want us to learn from Genesis 37. From here comes the dreamer. Here's what I want us to realize. God is the dream giver. This is so important. God is the dream giver. This wasn't Joseph's dream. The dream came from God. You see, God is not asking us to come up with some dreams. So often in our lives, we, we, we build our lives and then we ask God, to bless our lives. But God says, no, I will give you the dream and I'll help you build your life and make it happen. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You say, Mark, how? How does this happen? 
how do I get the dream that God has for my life? Well, it's simple. Get with God, spend time with God, and hear from God the ultimate dream giver. That's what I love about this 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're in as a church. I really believe that in this season, many of us, individually and corporately for the church, are going to hear from God. I believe many of us are going to have dreams and visions that God speaks to us about. Small things, big things, things that will change the trajectory of your life, things that will shift an area of your life and everything in between. You see, sadly, so many of us build our plan, our lives on our own. And when God doesn't bless it, when things don't go the way that we want, we get angry and upset. God, you're not blessing my dreams. God, you're not blessing my plans. But God says, I never gave you that dream. Purposes, I can go tick. Then I'll ask the question, well, does it align with clear biblical teaching? You know, if I'm going to pursue a dream that leaves out my family, then it's not from God. If I'm going to pursue a dream that dishonors my wife, it's not from God. If I pursue a dream that is not in line with the authority and teaching of Scripture, then whatever my feelings, whatever my emotions inside of me, is obviously not from God. We're to pursue the dreams that God gives us for the glory of God, which are in line with clear biblical teaching. If it's a dream that breaks the law, if it is a dream that is based on lies or deceit, it's obviously not from the Lord. So dreams, thoughts, visions that God gives, that, that God is the ultimate dream giver. Now, I want to help us with this, because many of us will get dreams, we'll hear from God, and then that dream is killed. So I want you to be aware of dream killers. 
And in the passage, we can see three dream killers, which are a very real and present danger. Three dream killers that Joseph encountered in the verses that we read. Number one, a narrow vision. You see, Joseph went to his brothers with the first dream. They rejected it. He went to them with the second dream. They rejected it. Now, you've got to be honest. If you were in that situation as one of Joseph's brothers, you can understand why you would have rejected what Joseph said. He's an annoying 17-year-old. You know, you can understand that the young brat of the family, you can understand why they would have rejected it. But you see, the dream actually involved them. It involved the brothers. You see, they couldn't receive this message from God, which was actually for their own good, that they would be provided for, that God had their back, that even when famine came down the line, they would be looked after because God had a plan for Joseph. And Joseph's plan was to provide for his family. But you see, the brothers couldn't see it because they didn't like the messenger. Annoying 17-year-old brat of a brother. We have to be very very careful before we tell God how he's going to speak to us. Without knowing sometimes, we can put God in a box and say, I'll only listen to you, God, if you speak in a particular way. This is how God speaks to me. And he certainly doesn't speak to me in that way. If you're an analytical kind of logical type, Don't write off God speaking to you in a time of worship. Don't write off God speaking to you through your emotions. Don't write off God speaking to you in a dream. Don't write off God speaking to you in a creative way through a picture or through a spoken word or or through a a piece of music or through a picture or through a film. Don't write that off because it doesn't fit. Equally, if you're the emotional type and if you're the kind of, oh, I love God speaking through worship, I I love dreams, I love pictures, I, I love that, well, don't write off God speaking through his word, through the reading of scripture. One of the biggest dream killers is that we have a narrow view of how God can speak to us. The brothers missed what Joseph said, because they disregarded the messenger. The second dream killer that can so often get in the way is self-sabotage. You know, sometimes the biggest danger to the dream that God has given you is yourself. Joseph was 17 years old. I want to make that point again. Now, I'm not a scientist or a biologist, but I was doing a bit of reading this week. And there's something about the frontal cortex of our brain that doesn't fully develop until we are 25 years old. Now, if you're under the age of 25, I've just given you a brilliant excuse, as I'm about to explain, for getting things wrong. But, you know, 
You can tell us your parents, you know, oh, dad, mom, is my frontal cortex, which is not fully developed. Because the frontal cortex of your brain is the part of your brain that develops to work out complex behavioral performance that allows you to, to process and organize information and to assess social situations. It helps you to judge what is risky behavior and what is wise behavior. It helps you with decision making. I mean, this is a break. I mean, I wish I'd known this when I was 18, having all these arguments with my mum and dad, that I could say, Mum, it's my frontal cortex that is not fully developed. I mean, you can't say anything to that. What, what can you say to that? But you see, the point with Joseph was, read the room, boy. Read the room, 17-year-old, when all these older brothers are there, much bigger than you, much stronger than you. You start blathering your mouth out, you're going to be beaten up at the bottom of the pile. It's just going to happen. So read the room. The one criticism I would have of Joseph was he didn't read the room. You know, he almost self-sabotaged the dream that God had given to him. So when God gives us a dream, we must be so careful that we are not the ones who sabotage what God has spoken to us about. So dream killers come in three categories from this passage. Firstly, the narrow vision of how God might speak to us. Secondly, self-sabotage, how we kind of minister and steward the dream that God has given to us. And then finally, the dysfunctional family that Joseph found himself in. I've touched on this already, but let me expand it. As I've told you, Jacob had two wives. He also had a concubine. There was sexual sin all over his family, not in God's design. Joseph was the favorite of Jacob, not in God's design. And Jacob was a passive father. He was a passive father who let loads of things go. We haven't got time to go into it. But if you, if you read back a few chapters, there's loads of stuff that Reuben did and loads of stuff that happened that Jacob was just like, oh, well, just did it. There was no kind of interaction as a father. But Joseph changed the family tree forever. He didn't let the dysfunctional family that he was a part of come in the way of the dream that God had given to him becoming the destiny that he would walk out. I want you to know if you're part of Hope Church, whether here or online, I want you to know that Hope Church is a family. It's a place where dreams can become destiny. It's a place where your brokenness or your background doesn't matter. You see, God's plan is always bigger than our brokenness and struggles. Adam sinned and messed up, but God's plans weren't stopped. Noah sinned and messed up, but God's plan still moved forward. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all messed up in different ways, but it didn't stop God's plans and purposes from being outworked. 
Listen, there are no perfect people in Hope Church. There aren't. If God gives you a dream, and if God is on you and with you, that dream is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. It's an unstoppable dream that God has put inside of you. Now, let me just be sobering for a moment. Let me just be, a, be sobering for a moment. God has a dream. God has purposes which are unstoppable. The sobering moment I want to bring to you is Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul was given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to see the dream become his destiny. But time after time after time, Saul did not get on the train. Time after time after time, countless opportunities were missed. Until such time that the train kept going. And God said, I'm going to raise up another man whose name is David. And he will become the next king of Israel. When God gives a dream, it's unstoppable. The sobering prayer, the sobering reality is, I don't want to be so resistant to God what you have spoken, that you have to bypass me to get your plan done. I don't want to be sore. We all mess up. We all miss opportunities. We all get things wrong. God will give you chance after chance after chance after chance. But be aware that God's dreams and God's plans are unstoppable. You say, well, Mark, how is this possible? How is this possible? You've given me a dream, Lord. I see how this is for your glory. I, I see how it fits in Scripture. I want, I want to fight against the dream killers, but, but how is this possible? Philippians 4 and verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about your background. It's not about your qualifications. It's not about your age. It's not about how developed your front cortex, whatever it's called, thingy-majiggy is. It's not about that. And it's never too late. It's about Christ who strengthens me. It's about Jesus who is with me so that the dream that God has given to you will become your destiny. We're going to see over the coming weeks the story of Joseph, the ups, the downs, the times of waiting, the times of frustration, the times of endurance, the time when he did the right thing, but nothing happened. We're going to see all of that. And in the story of Joseph is such an encouragement to each one of us to say the dreams that God has given to you through the strength of Christ in you will become the destiny that you walk.